2 Timothy 2, 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has, who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. But God's firm foundation stands, bringing this seal. The Lord knows who are his, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the way that you work in your people when your word is opened and, and read. And, and I, I pray, God, that you would do that this morning, that you would work through our time in your word. And um, if there are ways that we need to be changed and grow uh, in your grace, we pray that you would grow us. And you would change us. You would comfort us and encourage us and remind us of what we need to be reminded of. So that you'd work in our hearts now, God. In Christ's name, amen. Um, there, are, there are people who say that the primary reason my wife married me, because people wonder about this. Um, this is a topic of discussion. Um, after people get to know both of us, they wonder, what happened here? How did this, how did this happen? Um, and there, so there have been people who've wondered if maybe she married me, uh, uh, like, out of pity. Like, um, she's, she needed, like a, a, like, a lifelong project, you know? She said, I need, to, I need to do something constructive with my life. I need to rescue someone. So some people, some people like adopt animals like from rescue shelter. Uh, she adopted me, and, um, and she's been trying to help me ever since. Uh, none of you have known me um, for the last uh, 16 years. It'll be 17 years this summer. Um, but if you would have known me 16 years ago, you'd be able to see, yeah, she's, she's helped. She's helped. I mean, She's not a miracle worker, but she's done her best. She's gotten results. Um, and there have been many times that she has helped me, um, not in the ways I wanted to be helped. She, she does things like um, trying to get me to eat vegetables. Um, she's, there are people out there, and she's one of them, who believe that there's some sort of correlation between vegetables and good health. Like, she believes there's a connection between diet and health. Um, it's never been proven to me. I don't know. Um, it's never been proven to me. My dad said, my dad was talking about his dad. His dad lived to be 94, and he ate 
what any expert today would say is just garbage. This is bad for you. And he ate it, and he lived to be 94. That's like my dad's, my dad's only reasoning is his dad. And so my dad just eats what he wants and drinks what he wants and says, you know, I'll probably live to be 94. That's his plan. Um, I've tried to adopt it, but my wife will not let me. Um, and so she has, over the years, convinced me to eat vegetables. She has helped me in ways that I needed to be helped. Um, she's also, far more importantly, uh, she's also discipled me for the last 16 years. She's discipled me. She's encouraged me in all kinds of different ways. Sometimes passive-aggressive ways, but most of the time, pretty straightforward encouragement that I need to trust and follow Jesus. I need to trust and follow Jesus. Steve, you can believe the goodness of God here. You can believe the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can follow the word of God because the Holy Spirit is changing you. She has helped me. She's helped me, which is why I put up with vegetable nonsense um, because she's helped me in real ways too. We want the people we care for, we, we want them to be faithful to Jesus. We want to help them, right, in the most important way. This is what we want to do. The people that we care for, we want them to believe the gospel, trust Jesus, follow Jesus. We want, we want the people that we care for to love the Word of God and to live their lives according to the Word of God. This is what Paul wants Timothy to do. Paul has been talking about Timothy himself for the first chapter and a half or so. Now he's going to talk to Timothy a little bit here about how do you help the people in your life? The people that you're pastoring. The people that you're ministering to. The people that you're serving. How do you help them? So, so, so Paul is shifting gears here a little bit in his letter to Timothy. And he's saying, here's how you help the people in your life, to stay faithful, to endure to the end, to not turn their back on everything, to believe the Gospel, to follow Jesus, and then to to live their lives for His glory. To live out their lives on earth for His glory. Here's how you do that, Timothy. Here's how you will help them. And so, as Paul's saying this to Timothy, we have a lot to pick up here as well. We have a lot to learn as well because we want the same thing. Whether we're pastors or Sunday school teachers or or whether we're children's church workers or whether we're parents or grandparents, we have people that we care about. We We have opportunities, maybe in college or at school, where we have people that look up to us. We have people that we're mentoring, that we're discipling. We want them to finish strong. We don't want them just to make a profession of faith and then show up at church every once in a while. And No, we want them to hear at the end of their lives, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want. We want them to love Jesus for the long haul. Paul is going to help Timothy and he's going to help us as we look at these verses. Paul is going to give Timothy and us six ways how we can help people in the way they need to be helped. People don't always... I never ask my wife, hey, can you think of a way to get me to eat more vegetables? I never ask her that. Sometimes we have to be proactive. 
Oftentimes, most times, we have to be proactive. How can we help people in the way they need it? And the way they most need it is to trust and follow Jesus. Here's six ways here. Six ways we help people to trust and follow Jesus. Number one, this is a simple one. This is one that's got to be always in our lives, always in our conversations. Number one, we remind them of the promises of the Gospel. Verse 14 starts out, remind them of these things. Paul is saying, Timothy, I've just told you a bunch of really good stuff for you to believe and for you to hold on to, and you have to remind the people you care about of these same things. Remind them of these things. He says, just a few verses before he says this, he says, the, the saying is trustworthy. We have, if we have died with Him, we will live with Him. If we endure, we will reign with Him. If we deny Him, He will also deny us. If we are faithless, He remains faithful, for He cannot deny Himself. Paul has just given Timothy these wonderful Gospel promises. And now he's saying to Timothy, you have to remind your people of these promises. Remind your people that you care about, that you're discipling. You remind them of the promises of the Gospel. You remind them that if we endure to the end, we will reign with Christ. If we have died with Christ, which means if His death is our death, if we're trusting in what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us to pay for our sins, if we believe that, if we're trusting that, then we will live with Him forever. He is faithful. If we deny Him, He will deny us. But if we endure with Him, He will welcome us into His glory and His joy forever. You can believe every single promise in the Gospel. Jesus Christ is faithful to save. He's faithful to forgive. He's faithful to give strength and comfort through His Spirit. I love Tyler's prayer over the offering. Just just praising God for His great faithfulness to us. We need to remind each other of that. And when we, when we pray together, we, we don't, God knows that He's faithful. God didn't need Tyler Todd to tell him that He was faithful. But it's so good for our hearts and for our souls when we're together to remember the faithfulness to God, uh, of God together and to, to, to praise Him for it and to encourage each other in it. God is faithful. Jesus Christ will bring us into the new heavens and the new earth where we will live joyfully with Him forever. If we are believing the Gospel, all the promises in the Gospel are ours. He's faithful. Paul says to Timothy, you have to remind your people of this. Often. Often. Keep reminding them. Keep reminding them. As we care for people, we're trying to help them follow Jesus, remind them of the promises of the Gospel. That's the first thing. Remind them of the promises of the Gospel. Second thing, we avoid quarrels. We avoid quarrels. Paul says in verse 14, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good. It does no good to quarrel about words. It only ruins the hearers. He says down in verse 16, avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. He says among them are Hymenaeus and and Philetus who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of of some. Paul is saying, saying, "Don't, 
Nothing good comes from quarrels. Nothing good comes from these kinds of fights, these kinds of war, word wars. They just lead people into ruin, into, into ungodliness. They, they ruin the faith of some people. It doesn't do anyone any good. See, it is tempting to fight back every time you hear something crazy. When, when, when Hymenius and Philetus come in and they say that the resurrection has already happened. What? Well, they, they, when they say, when they say um, every Christian, every true Christian has actually already been raised from the dead. We've actually already experienced physical resurrection, so we actually have now all of the, the, the blessings of eternity. We have them right now. And you just, when someone says something like that to you, you just want to say no and then just fight with them about it. it you, you want to get into this quarrel with them. And you want to just go toe-to-toe for as long as it takes till you prove that they're dumb. What Paul is saying here, though, is he's saying, if we're going to stay focused on helping people follow Jesus, we're not going to have time, energy, to get into a long debate with everyone who has a crazy idea. You don't need to. You don't need to. Because here's what happens. Here's what happens. So, so let's say someone comes and, and they, they, they say to me, uh, uh, Steve, do you believe in a literal Adam? Like Adam and Eve? Yeah, I believe he literally... You mean, do, do I believe that he existed and that he was a person and that he does what Genesis told us he does? Yeah, do you believe that? Yeah, I believe that. Well, you're dumb. There's no way he could, he could have really existed. There's no way Adam could have really existed, they say to me. And I say to them, well, Jesus said he did. And then they say, oh, well, you know, when Jesus said that, he is just a man. People make mistakes. You know, he's a human, so that was one of his human mistakes. Wait, wait, what? What? So we have Jesus just... just giving us bad theology, giving us bad history, and we're just fine with that? We'd rather believe what we think science is teaching us, that Adam couldn't have existed? Because if Adam existed, then, then evolutionary theory doesn't work, so Adam couldn't have existed. We'd rather, we'd rather hold on to, to like scientific theory, scientific reasoning, rather than hold on to the clear teaching of Scripture? If someone comes to me and says that to me, and they want to fight about that. You know, I'm going to point out that I don't think that they're right, and I don't think Jesus was mistaken, and I don't think that um, the clear teaching of Scripture is wrong, and I'm, I'm going to point out that I think they're wrong. But we're not going to get into an hour-long debate about this. We can't. We can't. And now listen closely. If we get into these big, long debates, whether in person or on Facebook or on Twitter or on message boards, whether we get into these big, long debates. Because if you want to find people saying crazy stuff, just hang out on Facebook for like four minutes. All right? If you want to find a fight, you can go find a fight. There's lots of people saying weird stuff. But listen carefully. Listen closely. If we go into these long discussions with this, 
what, what we're doing is we're giving people credence. We're saying this theory is worth fighting over. Even though it's clearly, it's clearly against Scripture. If, if, if I can just say, if, if Dan Wong comes to me and says, here's what I heard. I heard that we've already raised from the dead. I said, Dan, buddy, no, we haven't. He goes, well, I heard that. And, I, and then I say to him, well, 1 Corinthians 15, the, the resurrection from the dead hasn't happened yet. And if we believe that it has, we are mangling the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we point out that something's wrong, but then that's kind of the end of it. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. If you get into these big, long, sidebar discussions about this, you're, you're giving credence to stuff. And, and then what happens, what Paul is saying here, is you get into word quarrels with people, which means you start, you start quarreling about what words mean, and semantics, and the ways you can be creative with the way you describe things. What's happening, listen carefully, something very subtle happens. Now the people that we care for, they're not interested into what the Word of God says. They're interested in how good we are at winning arguments. Do you see what happens there? Apologetics is good. It's good. Apologetics, understanding what the common, uh, the, just the, the different common heresies that are out there, what they say, what they mean, and how to defeat them, that's good. That's good. It's important. But if we take every crazy thing that anybody says and we go to war with them about it, what, and I've seen this a bunch of times, we stop just trusting in what the Word of God plainly says and we start trusting in our ability to win arguments. We start doing what they're doing. We get into word wars. Paul says that doesn't do any good for anybody. Stay close to the clear teaching of Scripture. Now he says that, so that's number two. If we're going to really help our people trust Jesus, follow Jesus, we're not going to get into these long offline debates about things that don't matter. But, he says, number three, we have to have this with it. So number one, we remind people of the gospel. Number two, we avoid quarrels. But then number three, we call gangrene what it is. We call gangrene what it is. Look at verses 16 through 18. He says, but avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. So Paul says, when, when, when Hymenius and Philetus come into town and they say the resurrection has already happened, that's gangrene, Paul says. And so it's really important to have like both sides of the coin here. For one, one side, we're not going to get bogged down in foolishness. We're not going to go onto internet chat rooms and just, and just fight with every person who has some crazy heresy that they want to, that they want to proclaim. We're not going to do that with our lives. That doesn't help anybody. We're not going to get these long-term debates about words with people. We're not going to do that. But, 
We're also, though, going to be very clear to call gangrene what it is. When we see poisonous teaching, we're going to call it poisonous teaching. So Paul is not saying ignore heresy, ignore false teaching. He's saying we're going to clearly point out that it's unscriptural. But we're not going to do a quarrel about it. So there's a, there's a difference here, isn't there? If, if Dale's teaching the junior high or the senior high, Sunday, senior high Sunday school class, and someone in his class says, hey, Mr. Dale, I heard this week at school, or I heard wherever, that, um, that, we're, that, that every true believer is actually already raised from the dead, and we should have like, all of the health and the, and the wealth and the blessing that, that were promised in heaven. So like the people who aren't experiencing that, they're not really saved. So when Dale hears that, he, he takes them. 1 Corinthians 15, he takes them to the Word of God and he points out, no, this is a, this is, that's wrong. That's wrong. That's poisonous teaching. That's gangrene. We're not going to believe that for a second. We're not going to believe that for a second. We're going to point out heresy for what it is. And so if, if someone comes to us and they're confused and they heard something and they want to talk about it, we'll talk for hours with them with someone who wants to know what the Word of God says, someone who wants to submit to the Word of God, someone who wants to understand things how they truly are, we'll talk for hours with them. We'll we'll say, this is why this is gangrene. This is why this is poisonous. This is why this 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 just leads to destruction. There's a difference between that and then also coming across the person who's heard every argument and they just want to fight. They want to cause division and they've got this new crazy idea and they just want to convince everybody of it and they don't want to know what Scripture says. They don't want the clear teaching of Scripture. They want to, they want to astound you with how good they are at twisting words and making things mean stuff and being tricky with how they describe stuff. There's a big difference between getting to conversations with them so we'll shut that down. We'll just say, if you can't see the clear teaching of Scripture, then I can't. There's, I'm done. But for those people who are still learning, they're still growing. They're, they're still under, coming to understand what Scripture says. And they're, they're confused. And they're worried and they're frustrated. We'll talk for hours with them. And we'll say, this is why this is Gangrene. And I love that he uses um, gangrene. I love that he uses gangrene. Because, because this is what crazy heresy does. It spreads. It grows. It gets popular. And so this is often what we have to say to people. When, when someone comes to us and says, this is what I heard. And, 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 and we say, no, that's just wrong. It's wrong. And here's what Scripture says. And then they say, but, but a whole bunch of people believe this. A whole bunch of people say this. A whole bunch of people like like this idea. And, and Hymenius and Philetus, their their podcasts are blowing up, and they've got a ton of Twitter followers, and everybody coming to their church. And and we say, well, yeah, you know what else grows and spreads? It's 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 gangrene does this. Infectious disease does this. Just because something is popular doesn't mean it's good. Paul uses his words very carefully here. So if, you're, if, if we're going to be people who 
really want the, 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 our loved ones to grow in their understanding of, of, of the, the Word of God and the Gospel and following Jesus, then we have to have this balance, don't we? We have to understand we're not going to get into these unnecessary, long, drawn-out fights with people who just want to fight. But we're going to be very careful with the people who are learning and growing. And when they get these, these different, unusual ideas that they've heard, we're going, to, we're going to spend all the time we need to with them. We're going to point out, this is gangrene, and here's why. This is, this is poisonous teaching, and here's why. We have to do the work. We have to do this work, church. We have to. Which means, number four, this brings us to number four, verse 15, it means, number four, we have to rightly handle the word of truth. If we're going to be people who are always reminding others of the gospel, we're not getting into unnecessary quarrels, but we're also, we're also reminding people and showing people, here's what gangrene is. Here's what heresy is. Here's why we avoid that. If we're going to do those things well, then we're going to have to rightly handle the word of truth. This is my goal for all of you, that you learn to rightly handle the word of truth, that you get better and better and better at it. It's my goal for me that I continue to get better and better and better at rightly handling the word of truth. He says in verse 15, do your best. Do your best. Which is, work hard. Commit yourself to this. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed. Rightly handling the word of truth. Rightly handling has the idea of of cutting it straight. Of cutting it straight. Sticking right to the point. To say this is what the Word of God says and this is what it means. It's about precision. It's about precision. It's about opening up the Word of God and trying to discern what does it say? What does it mean? And and to, to say to the people that we love, this is what we need to believe. This is what we need to obey. Here it is. So, so when we communicate the Word of God to the people that we love, we're doing so in a way that He intended it to be communicated. Whenever I'm... Um, I always, my, my favorite exaggerated, terrible sermon that I've ever heard, but it's one that's just in my mind, and I will never forget it. And it's helped me in a lot of ways because I can, I can ask myself when I'm getting a sermon ready, am I doing this? Am I doing this? I, I remember when I was, this is years and years ago, and uh, there, there was a guy and he was preaching and he, um, he preached on the story, it's either from Elisha or Elijah, I forget which one now, about the axe head that, that fell into the river. And the King James Version, he was preaching from the King James Version, and he's, and the King James Version says, where fell it? Where fell it? And it means the axe head. Where did the axe head fall? That's all that was being communicated in that passage. They were wondering where the axe head was. So he said, where fell it? And then he preached for 45 minutes or an hour or three or four weeks. I don't remember. It felt like a long time. He preached on where fell it? And he said, where fell um, American morals? And where fell family values? And where fell our love for... And I was like... <laughs> I mean, it was a perfectly good you know, thoughts. They had nothing to do with that passage, though. Nothing to do with that passage. It was all good things that have fallen that we need to find, you know. 
It was all good stuff. Faithfulness to church was probably there. and oh, I don't remember. I don't remember. I, I, I had a hard time just not laughing. So anyhow, I, it didn't do me a lot of good. But when we do that, when we handle Scripture that way, that's how we end up with heresy. I mean, that's a, that's a funny, that's a goofy um, uh, uh, example that's always going to be with me. But it's, it's good for me because it reminds me, I don't want to do that with Scripture. I want to figure out, by God's grace, by God's Spirit, by hard work, what does this passage say and what does it mean? What do I need to believe? How do I need to live? How is God changing me? What can I know about God from this? What can I learn about God? What can I learn about His grace? Our only hope, church, our only hope, if we're going to help others follow Jesus, if we ourselves are going to follow Jesus, and, and if we're going to help others to do the same, our only hope by, is by God's grace that we understand what Scripture says and what it means. And that's what we believe, and that's what we hold on to, and that's what we follow, and that's what we teach to others. Like we, let's, let's commit ourselves to getting better at this. Like If you have a question about a certain text, if you're reading through the, the Word of God and you're just like, I don't know what that means, I don't know how it fits, I just don't, I don't know, then, then talk to me. Talk to uh, Colin, talk to Craig, talk to Dale, talk to our elders, talk to us. And we're not going to know everything, well, Craig, well, most of us are not going to know everything off the top of our heads, but we can work through it with you. I had, um, when I was, uh, one of the most humbling experiences uh, of my life is um, when I was a church planter, and I went through about a year, actually a little more than a year, of having um, a really seasoned, um, well-learned, well-experienced, just faithful, good preacher. He's a pastor at a church near Boston, and he took his own time. He had he had a lot of ministry to do, but he took of his own time. And he would listen to my sermons every, every other week or so. And he would say, Steve, here's what you missed. Here's what you missed. Here's how could, that could have been better. There, there's, there's gold in this text and you missed it. And he taught me how to find it. And he was, <laughs> he was very gentle. Uh, he's a very good, kind, humble guy. But he was brutal. Especially when I was way off. He's like, Steve, when you do that, that that's, 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 you're losing power for your people. The power is connected to what the Word of God actually says. What it means. The power doesn't come from your smart thoughts. It doesn't come with your, from your ability to communicate. The power doesn't come... That's not where it comes from. It's not. If that's what we're hoping in, we're, we're goners. It comes from unpacking the Word of God. Saying, this is what we need to know, and this is what we need to believe, and this is what we need to, to follow. That's, that's where we are, folks. We, if we're going to help the people that we care about, we're going to have to rightly handle the Word of God. Let's commit ourselves to that. Let's do our best. This is, of course, vital for 
preachers and teachers, but it's good for all of us to grow in this. And then number five, we live to honor God. We live to honor God. We want to remind people of the Gospel. We, 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 we want to avoid unnecessary quarrels. We want to call gangrene what it is. We want to rightly handle the Word of God. And we want to live to honor God. Verse 14 and 15 again say, remind them of these things and charge them before God. Not to quarrel about words which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. Paul says two things there. He says, he says charge them before God. Remind these, these quarrelers. Remind these false teachers. Remind them that they, are, that they are living before God. That God is evaluating them. And he says, when you, when you go and you go to explain God's Word to someone, you, re, you remember you're doing your best to, to present yourself to God. This is not a ministry. My, my preaching ministry is not primarily for you. It's primarily to honor God. It's to remember that God Himself has given us this Word. He intends, he intends to bless us and encourage us and strengthen us through His Word. He wants me to be faithful to that. To trust that His Word is sufficient. We don't, this, this is very helpful for me. This is very helpful for me. Because it reminds me that when I stand up on Sunday morning, like I, I, I don't have to be like, like this cutting-edge preacher so that all of you will come back next week. I don't have to be flashy and exciting. I don't have to do that. My main goal is not to get you to come back next week. And I know you're thinking, Steve, you are cutting edge. And that's true. It's, it's because of all the, all the vegetables I've been eating lately. I just, I am, you're right. I thank you for noticing. I was thinking about um, Mark Baumgartner back there. And he's now been here long enough for me to talk about him from the, from the platform, so from a sermon. So Mark and Carrie are newish to the church. If you, if you don't know them, shame on you. Go meet them. I think we should have a reception line after church so everyone can... No, we're not going to do that. Anyhow, um, but find them, meet them. Mark was a pastor for years. Um, he's, I mean, and he's, he's faithfully exposited God's Word for, for years, for longer than I've been alive, right? Well, no, I can't say that anymore. But, but close. Close. My goal is not to surprise him. To shock him with some new revelation from Scripture. I don't want Mark, mind blown. I've never seen that before. That's not my goal. It's not. I, I can't imagine him doing that anyhow, but I, that's not my goal. It's not my goal. He doesn't need that. He needs to know just what the Word of God says and what it means. Of course, we're all learning, right? We're all learning. We're all growing, right? And so probably, uh, there, there are probably a lot of sermons where you say, you know what, I, I never thought of that before. That's encouraging. That's a blessing. That's, I'd never seen that in the, in the text before. That was cool. And so there are little ways, little nuggets along the way that we, we are learning and growing. But my job is not to be cutting edge and revolutionary and, and blow you away. That's not, that's not my job. And when I remember that I'm not here to impress you, I'm here to honor God. It's so helpful for me. Because I will tell you, it's really hard to focus on impressing people and serving them. 
If you need to impress people, it's going to be hard to serve them. That goes for me. It goes for you. We don't need to be cutting edge and flashy and exciting. We need to be faithful to the Word of God. And and a key way to do that is just to remember that we we are presenting ourselves. As I preach this sermon, I'm presenting myself to God. As you care for the people in your life, you are presenting yourself to God. This helps us to remember His Word is sufficient. I just need to say, here's what God has said. Here's how we apply it. We need to honor God. There is a, I mean, there is a direct correlation between my desire to be exciting and impressive and new. And there's a direct correlation between that desire to be new and, and interesting and captivating. And we gotta, everybody's got to come back next week. If, if I preach a sermon and people don't come back, ah, I'm a terrible person. I've got to have something new. I've got to have something they've never heard. I've got to grab their attention. I've got to. And so there's a direct correlation between that kind of foolishness and bad preaching. Departing from the text, trying to be awesome. Let's remember we are standing before God. We are presenting ourselves to God. Let's be faithful to His Word. And number six, last one. Remember that the Lord knows who are His. I love this. Verse 19, I love this verse. But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. So that right there, let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity, that's a segue to next week's passage. That's a segue to next week's verses. I'm looking forward to really honing in on that. The Lord knows who are His. What what happens? What happens if we're faithful to God's Word and we're, just do, we're, doing, we're doing our best, as Paul has told us, we're doing our best by God's grace just to be faithful to God's Word and to care for people and to try to help them in the way they need to be helped. What happens if they disagree or they, they slander us or they want nothing to do with us? What happens if we suffer for this? We carry this promise around for, with us. The Lord knows those who are His. We are going to depart from iniquity. We're going to stick as close as we can to the word of truth, what it means to believe it, what it means to obey it. We're going to depart from iniquity and stick close to the word of God. And, and, and come what may, we're going to remember that the Lord knows those who are His. The first time that little phrase, the Lord knows those who are His, shows up in Scripture, is, it's when Korah... Uh, was rising up against Moses. This is the the children of Israel being led by Moses. And he was bringing the Word of God to them. He was God's man for them. And Korah rose up against 
Moses. And Moses said to Korah, you're not going to get away with this because the Lord knows who are His. And, and, and God indeed opened up the earth and destroyed Korah. And we saw in that text just this clear, yes, God knows who are His. God preserved and rescued and took care of Moses and God judged Korah and all those who were with him. This is, and we saw that there in that text, and we're going to see it in the end when we stand in judgment. We can know right now that when we stand before God someday, we're, we're going to be able to know that, that God knows who are His. If we belong to Jesus, we will be ushered into an eternity of joy and peace and glory forever. And if we don't belong to God, we will be punished in hell forever. The Lord knows who are His. This drives us as we are trying to help people to believe the Gospel, to believe that, that Jesus Christ died for their sins. That there is no hope for forgiveness apart from Jesus Christ. There's, there's no hope to escape God's wrath apart from Jesus Christ. I hope you believed that Gospel. That good news. And again, I'll be glad to speak with you more about that. If you have questions about all of that, I'll be glad to talk to you more about that. And if you have believed, I hope that you'll spend your life trying to help people the way they need to be helped. Help them to trust and follow Jesus. And as you do, Remember, there are all kinds of people who, who reject God's Word for all kinds of reasons. But the Lord knows who are His. He has us. He has us. He always will. So let's, let's remind folks of the promises of the, of the Gospel. Let's avoid unnecessary quarrels. We do not have time for that. But let's be clear about what poisonous teaching is. And let's call it what it is. And let's, let's do our best to rightly handle the Word of Truth. Let's live for the honor of God, remembering that He knows who are His. Let's pray together. God, we thank You for Your Word. We thank You for Your promises. I thank You that You know me. That You know me. I thank You that come what may, I belong to You. I belong to You. Help me to believe that, God. Help me to remember and when, I'm, when I'm trying to encourage, when I'm trying to help, when I'm trying to show people what it looks like to follow Jesus, and when I'm, when I'm trying to, to encourage them to do the same, when I'm preaching or when I'm teaching, whatever it is I'm doing, God, I pray that you would, you would help me to remember that I am presenting my life, my work to you. That's what matters. I pray that you'd help us, God, to get that into our hearts and minds. I pray that you'd use us to make 
disciples, your son. It's in his name we pray. Amen.